Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910 or 980 AM, anywhere on that Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Just search the Rob O'Donnell Show. It's 510, 72 degrees and partly sunny outside here in the studio in Pittston. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. Well, we talked about the uh, this monstrous attack in Maine from this individual who's obviously got some demented issues as far as whatever demons he's dealing with with his mental health. And we talked about his military service and, and such like that being in the reserves since the early 2000s and you know some of the awards that he has gotten from serving are just you know basically from the time he's been there. There's, he's never served in combat from what I've seen from the middle, military reporters that have his record already in their possession. But in times like this, you've already seen the politics creep into this as there's still an active manhunt going on. And, and it's interesting. You, you never see, you know, the anti-police or defund the police, especially in an incident like this where they're desperately needed to hunt this individual down. You never see them come in and say, oh, you thank God there's the police up there and the police from all over are headed to this area to risk their lives to take this savage off the streets. You know, that you don't see them there. But you always see the 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 gun issue come up when something like this happens before we even know what happened here before we know what laws were broken before we know you know outside of the obvious of murders assault and such like that but how he obtained the firearms what laws could have prevented this what suggested laws that they are bringing in could have prevented something like this so you see them all get into there and the big thing is the inflation of the active shooter mass shooting name that label of a mass shoot we have another mass shooting we have another you know wide-scale active mass casualty active shooter situation and, and we've already seen it and i've seen news organizations run it and i just checked with the you know one of the places that a lot of news organizations like to lead not uh, obviously you know ones who like to slant it towards their argument use a database from the gun violence archive.org now they are listing 565 mass shootings this year in America. And you have you have criterias like Forbes, the Independent, you know, Axios, a bunch of them running with that number. And and you've seen I, I've seen uh you know, a few others run with numbers in the high 200s as far as that. And, and listen, one mass shooting is egregious enough. One. So why inflate the numbers to where you question the validity of it? And, and here's where I give, I give praise to the Associated Press, USA Today, on their reporting because they've broken through that fog they've broken through that hey listen there's there we have these on record to where we don't have to inflate more we don't have to kind of reach and stretch for what a mass shooting is i mean a lot of this again this 
gunarchive.org, if there's a shooting within three miles of each other where three or more people are killed, they consider that a mass shooting, even if they're unrelated. If they happen within a certain time frame, within three miles of each other, that's a mass shooting. And that's not what the label is meant for. That's what the, you know, trying to warn the public of a mass shooting. And, and you know, we talk about the don't cry wolf when it comes to these, these threats to our schools and such like that. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to this. Now, based on a database that's maintained by the Associated Press, USA Today, in partnership with Northeastern University, they've listed the country's, third, this is the 36th mass shooting. Mass killing this year. Now, at least 190 people have died in those killings. So 36 mass shootings resulting in death, 190 people have died. Which is defined as incidents in which four or more people have died within a 24-hour period, not including the killer, the same definition used by the FBI. So I applaud the Associated Press, USA Today, and Northeastern University for taking the metrics used by the FBI to determine what a mass shooting is. And even when you do that, a mass killing, what, we're, what, we're, what we saw up in Maine. There's no reason to inflate this. And when you break down what happened and where, a lot of it doesn't fit the the narrative or the thinking that they want us to believe in mass shooting. There are just not random people shooting up people on the streets across America. A good portion of these mass killings, these mass shootings, are domestic-related. A good portion of them are gang-related. Again, it does not take away the tragedy of them. When a father shoots his three kids, his wife, and himself, that's a tragedy. But is that what they're trying to put out there in their house? Is that what they're trying to put out to scare the public, to say, oh, my God, you're at risk. Your family's at risk out out in the street. It's not conducive of being at a bowling alley, being at a bar, being at a mall, being in a school, being in a library, being in in a museum, and somebody opening fire on you. And that's not... What's happening across America? It does happen, but that's not what's stemming this. But again, then you'll have these media organizations that are running with this gunviolencearchive.org, which is saying there's 565 of them, which is just total, totally ludicrous as far as the numbers go. They are, they are stretching so far to make things a mass shooting incident where, where there was mass deaths. That it's not even credible anymore. But then, like I said, you have these Axios, the Independent, Forbes, running with this number to scare the public, to say, hey, oh, my God, look, we need to do something. Let's do it now. And the politicians run with it. Other people on the radio and on TV run with it. Instead of doing their due diligence and saying, okay, hey, what is the criteria here? How do they define what a mass killing is, what a mass shooting is? And how prevalent are they really? Well, I just told you, there's 36 of them so far this year, which is 36 too many, with 190 deaths. There's no reason to inflate that to 565, which has nothing to do and takes all credibility away from your argument. We cannot have a debate if you are starting from a place of fiction. 
let's work the problem, not have to talk about how you're lying to begin with to prove a point that you shouldn't have to exaggerate to prove. And if you go through these, you know, here in Illinois on September 17th, a couple of their two children, ages seven and nine, and three dogs were found fatally shot in their suburban Chicago home. Police were asked to check on the family after one member did not show for work that morning and phone calls went unanswered. Authorities said a 32-year-old man was suspected in the deaths. He died days later after a fiery crash in Oklahoma, along with a passenger and had a relationship with the victims. So this individual went in, shot a husband, wife, and their two children and their three dogs. Died in a car crash, and they found that he was responsible for that. In the home, now yes, it meets the definition for a mass shooting. Is that what you see in your mind when they say, there was a mass shooting in, where was this, Illinois? No, you see somebody running down the street or going into a library or going into a school or going into a shopping center. And again, I'm not saying this is not equally tragic. I'm just saying there is no need to lump these in and exaggerate them because there's enough. And the majority of them are not what we are portrayed to believe are these mass shootings. You know, another one in Ohio, August 24th. Five members of a family, including three children, were found dead at home in Lake Township, Ohio, by police officers performing a welfare check. Authorities said a husband and wife and their two daughters and son died from gunshot wounds and their deaths to be investigated as a domestic dispute. Again, a mass killing, yes. But is this what the media and politicians and the people who want to weaponize this for their agendas, is this what you think a mass shooting is? No, this is a domestic dispute where tragically a family was killed. You know, we go to Oklahoma City on August 16th. 28-year-old man fatally shot three young children, ages 9, 5, and 2, and his estranged wife before taking his own life. Again, in a house, a domestic dispute. Equally tragic. Lives were lost. Kids, 9, 5, and 2. Innocent victims. But this is not when we see a mass shooting, there was an active shooter somewhere. This is not what we see. This is a domestic dispute that happens hundreds of times in cities across America. A lot of the times, thankfully, it does not end like this. But hundreds of times, there are assaults. Hundreds of times, there are beatings to kids and women and even men. This is a domestic dispute. And again, I'm just going through the first couple of them. You know, in, in Hampton, Georgia, on July 15th. And again, this is all from their list of mass shootings. 40-year-old man is accused of fatally shooting four people all in their 60s in a suburban South Atlanta Police said the man's motive was not immediately clear. The killing set off a massive search that ended with a shootout that killed the man in another suburb 15 miles away. Yes, this is what we see when we think an active shooter out there that's going on. <laughs> they happen. But again, how come the gunviolencearchive.org has 565 mass shootings, and yet the Associated Press, along with the USA Today, Northeastern University, who uses the FBI metrics for what a mass shooting is, what a mass killing is, only has 36. And again, the 36 are just as tragic. Why inflate them to where you're not not credible for your argument? And again, I just listed a few out there. And like I said, the, the mass majority are these are people who were in relationships, people who knew each other, people who were in domestic disputes who ended up killing themselves and their families. Very few are what they try to make us fear out on the street that you're in a library, you're in a shopping mall, you're in a restaurant, you're in a bar, you're in a bowling alley. It doesn't mean they do not happen, 
but they're trying to scare you for an agenda where they should be educating us onto what the real problems are because then we could solve real problems rather than starting from a place of fiction. And that's my stress point here. It's uh, 522 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. Thank you. I appreciate it, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Penteladata Internet. There's a wreck on Mount Cobb Road right by 247. That is causing a bad backup. You are crawling 81 southbound beginning around the Scott Benton exit as you head through construction in that area. It is still all jammed up on North River Street in Wilkesbury between Wilkesbury General Hospital and Pierce Street. And we are seeing some slight delays on Northern Boulevard and Clark Summit, heading up the hill on State Street and Clark Summit, and on the Morgan Highway. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, W-I-L-K Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Somebody said Hop Bottom got its name over 100 years ago when supplied hops to the dozen of local breweries. They grew well in the bottomland. So maybe I can stop now seeing a bunny every time I say the name because I do every time I hear the uh, word. Uh, even though it's right down the road from my house, and every time I think of Hop Bottom, I think bunny hopping. Did you hear about Monkey Hollow Road no. yet? Nobody has an explanation. No, I want to know. What, I get, I got to do my research because now. Because I am pretty certain we do not have any monkeys in this part of Northeast PA. No. I could be wrong. No. Like it's not like it's a monkey forest or a jungle. We got. No. Uh, what do we have? Minks. We do have minks. We, and I could tell you stories about ferrets all day long if you want. Oh, never. I, I owned a ferret. Uh, I had a ferret can, for many years. If you brought it outside for a walk and you called it to come back to you, would it come back? Um, did it yeah. know its name? No, it did. It did? Yeah. It was pretty much like a cat. Okay. It's just like having a cat. Well, then they don't call, and you call their name anyway because they don't really care unless they're hungry or want to purr. No, they're very playful. <laughs> ferret. I, I, so we'll have to see. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, clear, low 53. Tomorrow, mix of sun and clouds, high 78. Might be a record. Saturday, partly sunny with scattered showers arriving late. They're going to be very scattered, so hopefully not affecting you at all. High 73. Sunday, scattered showers and cooler in the 40s. Monday, cloudy, breezy showers, mid-40s. Sunset's coming. It's... um. 71 degrees with some sun and clouds outside at 525 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is uh, 529 here in the station. What did I say? 71 degrees? It's going down. Yep, 71 degrees outside. Well, I meant to do this yesterday for a Whiskey Wednesday type thing. Never got to it, but... uh, there's a lottery for thousands of rare bourbons and whiskeys open here in Pennsylvania from the uh, Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board. You can go to their website. They are once again opening a limited release lottery that will give uh, registrants a chance to purchase one of thousands of bottles of rare product. The lottery is scheduled for the week of October 30th next week. It's administered by the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board and expected to include 4,400 bottles of highly sought-after whiskey. State residences, residents and licensees have until 5 p.m. on Friday, October 27th, to opt into the limited-release lottery, which will, in total, feature six different bourbons and whiskeys across five individual lotteries. 
You're looking at uh, Blanton's Gold Straight Bourbon for $120. 477 bottles will be available. You have Blanton's Straight from the Barrel Bourbon at $150 each. They'll have 483 bottles of that. That's Lottery 1. Lottery 2 is Eagle Rare Straight Bourbon, 17-year-old, 2022 release for $110. You have Lottery 3, which is Heaven Hill Heritage Collection Straight Corn Whiskey, 20-year-old, 2023 edition, for $290 a bottle. They'll have 150 bottles of that. Then you also have Russell Revere Straight Bourbon, 13-year-old, Barrel Proof for $150. They'll have 566 bottles. And Lottery 5, Stag Straight Bourbon Barrel Proof for $55. They'll have 1,647 bottles there. You can go to the uh, finewineandgoodspirits.com website. You can qualify and have the follow the registration process there. But the thing is, if you're picked from the lottery and you do not buy the bourbon that you've won in the lottery, they hold it against you and they kind of punish you and not let you do it again. So if, if you want one of those rare bourbons and not have to pay a premium price for it, you might want to check out uh, you know, finewineandgoodspirits.com, the state store website. Register and it'll go through the lottery process. But not a bad, not a bad deal if you're looking for some good bourbon in our area. And again, tomorrow at five is your last time to uh, register for it. So, if it interests you, get involved while you can. It's uh, 5:32 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Looking to. See what's going on here. I got uh, hung up in that lottery for the, those bottles of bourbon. So we'll see what's happening there. Now, uh, a poll here in America says that uh, Americans say government's too big and has too much power. I think we most of us can agree on that. I say most of us. Gallup released a new survey which shows 54% of surveyed Americans say government is trying to do too many things. That should be left to the individuals and businesses. That number has stayed relative since 2021. Overall, only 43% of surveyed Americans say the government should be doing more. Not sure what the government, uh, what more they would like the government to do, but I'm more for letting us run our lives. Let the government do the things that the Constitution gives them the power to do, not overstep that. This critique of government is similar to Americans' views over the past two years. However, it differs from 2020 when 54 of Americans said they wanted the government to do more. That uh, reading taken in the first year of the pandemic is the only time the Gallup trend dated back to 1992 that the majority have wanted a more active government. Again, this is coming from Gallup. The issue is split along partisan lines, with 81% of Republicans saying the federal government is too powerful. Meanwhile, the percentage of Democrats who say the government should do more has increased steadily since 1990. Democrats have grown increasingly likely to want the government to do more, raising from 61% at the start of Clinton's presidency in 1993 to 75% today, Gallup said. This dynamic also explains why concerns about excessive government has been lower 
under the Biden, under Biden than it was under Obama and Clinton, because fewer Democrats hold that view today than in the past. Americans are more inclined to say the government regulates businesses and industries too much, 44%, than too little, 25%, while 31% think it's the right amount. This is as per Gallup. So, uh, interesting. And what's your thought on uh, what's happening here? As far as the government, do you think the government is doing too much? Do you think the government I'm we talked a little bit yesterday on it. But. uh, The regulatory agencies that do not go through legislations just have way too much power. They try to legislate through regulations. And no one voted for them. So. We are going to, uh, it's a balancing act, and we have to make sure we put the right people in that picks these secretaries, these directors, these things who do things on the regulatory level, because they are using it more and more as an end around the legislature. Because like was said yesterday, because they don't want to put their names on things as legislatures. They don't want to take that risk to be the ones responsible, to be held against them. So... We'll have to uh, hold them accountable. And how do we do that? Through elections, getting the people in there. If if we cannot hold the departments, the agencies that are doing this through regulations, through policies, through procedures accountable, then we need to hold the people who appoint them. And that that's our given right as voters. That's our given right in elections. So... You know, we'll, we'll see that when we come there. And uh, we'll see how you, you feel about it. Like I said, it's, uh, what was the number? 54% say the government's uh, trying to do too much. So we'll see where that goes from there. It's uh, 541 here at WILK. I guess it's time for weather. Traffic. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, clear, low 53. Tomorrow, mix of sun and clouds, high 78. Might be a record here in northeast Pennsylvania. Saturday, partly sunny with scattered showers arriving late. And again, they're going to be very scattered, so hopefully not affecting you if you're looking to do anything on Saturday. The high will be 73. Sunday, scattered showers and cooler. It'll be in the 40s. That cold front's coming in. Monday, cloudy, breezy. Showers in the mid-40s as well. Yeah, if you're looking to get anything done, you got today, tomorrow, and Saturday to do it. Other than that, it goes to back to uh, typical fall weather here in northeast Pennsylvania. It's currently 70 degrees and mostly cloudy here at 542 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 546 here at the station, 70 degrees and mostly sunny. Well, if you're in the downtown Scranton area today, right now, actually, you have a group of visitors that are visiting our area on their way up to uh, Cornell University. The Navy Sprint football team, currently 4-1, and one, are on their way to play Cornell tomorrow evening, have stopped in the Scranton area. I'm not going to say exactly where due to operational security of their meal tonight. 
But they are in downtown Scranton having dinner. The entire football team, Navy Sprint football team, we talk about them often here, uh, their training staff, their coaching staff. So welcome to Northeast Pennsylvania. And if you happen to see these fine young men and fine young women on their training staff, their coaching staff, um, say hello to them. You can't miss them. They're all wearing the same kind of windbreaker sweatsuits that say Navy sports on them. They're in their blue and gold headed up to uh, Cornell University for a game tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Cornell in Ithaca, New York. It's going to be broadcasted on ESPN+. Plus. But like I said, they're currently 4-1. and one. They are undefeated at home. They're undefeated in their conference, 2-0 and oh in their conference. So we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. But welcome, Navy Sprint football team, to the Northeast Pennsylvania area. Hope you enjoy your meal in downtown Scranton. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure the community will host you well. And if you happen to see them out there, call or text in 570-883-0098. But make sure you say hello to these fine young men and future leaders of our nation that are visiting us here in downtown Scranton for their evening meal, their dinner, on their way to uh, defeat Cornell tomorrow at 7 p.m. up in Ithaca, New York. Again, guys, gals, welcome to Scranton, Pennsylvania, and enjoy your meal down there. Have a great game. Uh, It's always great to have them. Uh, My daughter was able to text me and tell me that they were going to be in the area. Obviously, I'm on the air here with uh, you guys. So I wasn't able to touch base with them. A lot of times they drive right by my house on 81 when my son was playing for them. Back in the day, we were able to sit on stand on the side or one of the overpasses with a Navy flag as they drove by with their buses. They do not have their Naval Academy buses, so they just have regular charter buses. So it's hard to tell them by their buses. It's great when they have the Naval Academy blue and gold buses with them. But they're hard, They're not hard to miss. There's 65, 70 of them all in the same sweatsuit now. Uh getting their Italian on in downtown Scranton. So if you happen to bump into them, let me know. Give me a text message, say you saw them. uh, And if you're headed to that same restaurant, you might not want to get in there. And I just got a text message from Joe from Trips Park. Rob, are you sure they're not in West Scranton for dinner? I think I just saw them on Main Avenue. Yeah, they might be in West Scranton. I don't know which part of Scranton they are. I I know the restaurant name. I don't want to put it out there because of... uh, because of the nature of, of, of just what they do and, and who they are. But uh, if you happen to bump into them, like I said, they're not hard to miss. They're all wearing the same uh, sweatsuits, and I'm sure eating everything in sight. So good luck tomorrow against Cornell, guys, and uh, you know we'll see you next time I'm in Annapolis. We have reached a, a rural broadband bottleneck as far as permitting permitting goes here in uh, Pennsylvania. Now, I know we've spent, we've talked about the, the, the ton of money just here as $1.5 billion in federal money flows to Pennsylvania in the coming years. Legislatures from the countryside want to see a meaningful improvements. Rural Pennsylvania continues to lag behind on broadband internet. And in many cases, even basic phone service. Uh, we can go through and talk about hundreds of millions and billions and if not into the trillions of dollars and the amount of money and waste in this country nationally and in the state. Representative Ryan Warner said during a House Republican Policy Committee hearing Tuesday, and here we are fighting for people to have basic services. That's frustrating to me, he added. It's frustrating to me that we have $1 billion to give to other countries 
over and over again, but we don't have enough money for people to have phone service or internet in Fayette County or have adequate access to EMS through 911 systems. Warner's dissatisfaction came from what he saw as a decline in uh, phone equality as other technology like 5G has been built out. It's been detrimental to our rural Pennsylvania, he said. Our cell phone coverage in Fayette County and in rural Pennsylvania has decreased since 5G has been implemented. Other areas like rural Luzerne County have had companies like Verizon decline to repair lines that failed due to the high cost. Luzerne Township Supervisor Greg Downer said, leaving homes dead in the water. In Tioga County, service has been so poor that Pennsylvania's Public Utility Commission opened an investigation into a local telecom company after the Office of Consumer Affairs filed a complaint. Now, we've talked about this before here. We have said that a lot of this broadband money, a lot of this infrastructure for this, where they're saying they want to bring it to the poor and rural communities of Pennsylvania, are going to areas like the beach area where Joe Biden's house is to where they have adequate coverage. They're just beefing that coverage up to areas where there's museums like the Smithsonian in downtown Washington, D.C., which has ample coverage there. But that's where they're putting the money for this rather than the rural parts of this country, like these Pennsylvania legislatures are saying, that need it the most, that truly need just basic cell phone service. Forget about broadband and and the increase to existing services. And, and I know this because... My hunting cabin's out there that, I, that I, I go to, my friend's cabin. And we don't have cell phone service in many of the valleys where we go. We have to drive up five minutes to the top of the mountain just to get a basic cell phone service, which we try and do once a day, once every other day, just to make sure there's no emergency messages for home when we're out there in bear camp or deer camp or such like that. So uh, it's interesting that the legislatures are seeing this. Where is this going? Is it going to places that already have these issues? And if you look at the entities that are talking about the broadband infrastructure, if you're looking at the entities that are touting, hey, we're doing this, they're the urban environments. They're the places where in New York City, here in Scranton, you know, we're seeing that type of, of publicity brought to it when there's truly places in rural America that need it. Just listening to the scanner traffic last night up in Maine, in Lewiston, Maine, where this shooting took place, they were telling people to use apps on their phones because their radios couldn't work, because they were telling people to use landlines at businesses because their phones wouldn't work and their and, and mind you, Emergency providers now have that secondary system, that first net system for first responders after 9-11 that they developed to give us an extra antenna bandwidth. So when people crush the system because there's a uh, there's just an abundance of calls, emergency calls going from families, that they're not interfered where emergency responders can get through comms wise. They were just having this problem last night in Maine. Now, it's very rural. It's a very mountainous area. They obviously are aware of it. They obviously have these contingencies in place. But just to hear that over the the scanner telling them to use a landline at this location because we can't hear you. They're saying their app's not working because they don't have phone service. Their radios were in and out and very staticky. So they were literally going to landline phones in businesses to get information to their dispatch to relay it to other people. That's what, when I hear of broadband brand infrastructure, when I hear of 
all this money going to private companies to beef up their system, that's what I see. And I think that's what you see as a taxpayer. But is that really what's going on? And to hear these legislative bodies say, no, it's really not. We're at a disadvantage here. There's companies not even fixing the current infrastructure because it's too costly for them. It's a problem. And again, it's our tax dollars, so we should be fully aware of where is this going. You know, when these things are proposed, are they laid out? Are they put out and say, hey, this is what we're looking to do. Here's the place that doesn't have coverage now. This will fix that and sell it to the American people instead of telling us and trying to make it like a gift. You're giving us a gift. You're providing us something because you're giving us our own money back to do something that should have been done to begin with. And in return, they're like, hey, I'm your person. I'm your guy. I'm your gal. I did this for you. Vote for me. No, all you did is take the money out of my one pocket, shuffle it through your pockets, give it to me in my other hand a little less than when you took it out of my pocket to begin with, and tell me to be thankful. I mean, that's pretty much all you're doing. Remember, every dime a politician gives us for an, a project, an event, to our you know, to purchase a fire truck, to purchase, you know, building, to purchase a lot of land, to purchase, you know, whatever they're doing, to fix up a park, all this infrastructure money. It's all our money. And they want us to be thankful that they're using it for the purposes that we need it for most. It's uh, 556 here at WILK. We'll be back to close out the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Well, that's it for the Rob O'Donnell Show today on Thursday, October 26, 2023. I appreciate you Joining in the conversation with me, and, and yes, the, the Navy football team is in West Grant at one of the restaurants there. Uh, if you like Italian, they're there now. Hopefully, if you see them, you can say goodbye when they head up to uh, beat Cornell for tomorrow. Uh, remember, Sue Henry's going to be in tomorrow. I am celebrating officially, starting as soon as I sign off today, my 28th anniversary with the missus. We are headed out of town to do some leaf peeping, some drinking, and some eating at fine restaurants and some homemade tacos, I think, as well. God bless, be safe, and I will see you again on Monday.